This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today we're focusing on letter number 21, on the renown which my writings will bring you. We're going to break this letter up into two episodes, uh, the first of which we're focusing on Seneca talking about the nature of the goods of the soul, which is that which he is certainly trying to bring forth in his writings. And I really enjoy this theme that Seneca goes through, because it's a theme that runs throughout a lot of his writings, which is trying to uncover the contents of the soul, the true good that lies within us. And you know, this is a path that I've been kind of going on myself in the past couple of years, trying to uh, see if I myself can uncover the contents of my own soul, see what is lying beneath, see what is uh, waiting to be discovered. And to the extent that I have done that, it has been the most valuable Uh, journey that I've ever walked in my life. It's the most uh, valuable lessons that I've ever learned, the most important teachings I've ever come to uh, within myself. You know, it all comes back to that, that saying, know thyself, right? It's the most important maxim that we could talk about. And so to me, this all makes a lot of sense, but it's it's also something that Seneca is really trying to describe. He's really trying to wrestle with this idea and trying to express to the reader uh, that truly the, the the real good to be found in life is you know the good of the soul. Uh, and so I'm I'm going to read Seneca's thoughts here, and we'll stop along the way. We're going to be reading through to about verse six today. So I'll stop along the way and uh, add some thoughts of my own and some some commentary, and then we'll see what we can take away from these few verses. So he says, quote, Do you conclude that you are having difficulties with those men about whom you wrote to me? Your greatest difficulty is with yourself, for you are your own stumbling block. You do not know what you want. You are better at approving the right course than at following it out. You see where true happiness lies, but you have not yet the courage to attain it. Let me tell you what it is that hinders you, inasmuch as you do not of yourself discern it. You think that this condition, which you are to abandon, is one of importance, and after resolving upon that ideal state of calm into which you hope to pass, you are held back by the luster of your present life from which it is your intention to depart, just as if you were about to fall into a state of filth and darkness. This is a mistake, Lucilius. To go from your present life into the other is a promotion. There is the same difference between these two lives as there is between mere brightness and a real light. The latter is a definite source within itself. The other borrows its radiance. The one is called forth by an illumination coming from the outside, and anyone who stands between the source and the object immediately turns the latter into a dense shadow, but the other has a glow that comes from within. It is your own studies that will make you shine and will render you eminent. End quote. Okay, so before I dive in and and 
you know, comment on those few verses, I'd like to read something from the poet Rainer Maria Rilke, because uh, he has a collection of letters which I recommend that all of you read. It's, it's called Letters to a Young Poet, an absolutely stunning collection of letters uh, where he's advising a young poet who is considering whether he wants to uh, write for the rest of his life or whether he wants to go into the military. And very similar to what Seneca is doing here with Lucilius, uh, you know, if he really is speaking to another person, uh, he's advising Lucilius on whether or not he should actually leave uh, the public life in favor of a philosophical life, where he is able to explore the contents of his soul, to explore deep matters of meaning and uh, and wisdom, and so Seneca is obviously making the point here that of course you should you should draw away from that public life of externals, and you should go within. You should find the goods of your internal world, the goods of the soul, and that's exactly what the poet Rilke is doing here in these letters to this young poet. And I think that he does a, a wonderful job of it. So I'm just going to read a little bit. He says, quote, You are looking to the outside, and that above all you should not be doing now. Nobody can advise you and help you. Nobody. There is only one way. Go into yourself. Examine the reason that bids you to write. Check whether it reaches its roots into the deepest region of your heart. Admit to yourself whether you would die if it should be denied you to write. This above all, ask yourself in your night's quietest hour, must I write? Dig down into yourself for a deep answer. And if it should be affirmative, if it is given to you to respond to this serious question with a loud and simple I must, then construct your life according to this necessity. Your life, right into its most inconsequential and slightest hour, must become a sign and witness of this urge. End quote. Right, so we can see here that Seneca and Rilke are, are basically saying the same things. You know, Seneca says, Your greatest difficulty is with yourself, for you are your own stumbling block. You do not know what you want. You are better at approving the right course than at following it out. You see where true happiness lies, but you have not the courage to attain it. Okay, so we see here that Seneca is really saying, you're the biggest problem that you have right now because, you know, you keep on looking outside of yourself. Uh, you know, you know what the right path is, but you're still kind of addicted to that old way of being. You're still addicted to that, uh, or you're still a slave to, you might say, the life of business, the life of, uh, life of politics and public life. And to the extent that you're still a slave to that, you're not going to have the courage to actually go on the path that you know is right. So you keep on making these decisions. I know this is right. I know this is right. But do you actually go ahead and, and go down that path? And this is, this is a major, major point in anybody's philosophical development is that what, should, what philosophy should teach you is how to follow your truest nature as a human being, how to flourish as a human being. And one of the things that that is, is learning how to listen to what your natural inclinations are drawing you towards. What are you good at? What shines forth to you? What is pulling you in a certain direction? You know, what would really allow you uh, to uncover the contents of your own soul, the best of yourself, and give that to your society, right? 
It's certainly something that philosophy should teach us. But then once you know that, it's a very different thing uh, to know that from, from actually making the decision to transform yourself into a person whose entire life is dedicated to the pursuit of the goods of your soul, not just the external goods of your desire uh, or societal expectations. Uh, and this is what we can learn from people like artists, like, like Rilke, for example, and this young poet, because Rilke is saying here, you are looking to the outside... And that above all else you should not be doing right now. Nobody can advise you and help you. Nobody. There is only one way. Go into yourself. Examine the reason that bids you to write. Check whether it reaches its roots into the deepest region of your heart. Admit to yourself whether you would die if you would be denied to write. And so you can see that he's saying a similar thing to Seneca here. You know what you want. You've just got to sit down and you've got to ask yourself and you've got to consult with your own solitude, your own soul, and see what it is that is, is truly the good that is springing up from your own soul. And you need to ask yourself, would I rather die than be denied to, to write? And it's funny that he says that because I believe in the next letter that we're going to be reading from Seneca, he actually says, I would rather that you pull yourself away from the business life than live, right? Like if you can't pull yourself away from the business life, from the political life and move to a life of philosophy where you're, where you're dealing with the matters of your soul, the goods that are within you, uh, then what's the purpose really? Um, and look, we, we, we see that theme running through Seneca's philosophy, and it's certainly a theme that, uh, you know, comes throughout Stoicism, which is, is that, listen, the only good is the goods of your character, the goods of your soul, right? Which means that if you are denied or if you cannot possibly uh, un uncover those goods and bring them out of you, uh, then, I mean, honestly, it might be better to leave this existence because that's the most important thing. And uh, listen, what we're discussing here is is philosophy and ideas, all right? So these are things to contemplate, not things to immediately believe. I have to have that disclaimer there because these are kind of, uh, you know, they're difficult ideas to grapple with. Um, but certainly... Uh, what they are both trying to say here, Rilke and, uh, and, and Seneca, they're both trying to say you need to go within and you need to be extremely honest with yourself about what are the goods of your soul uh, that you need to be exploring and that you need to be bringing out. Uh, and, and to the extent that you are honest with yourself, you might find that you're falling quite short uh, of actually being able to uncover those goods and allow them to f flourish, right? And, uh, and there's some other things that Seneca said in those passages that I read that I find very interesting. Uh, he actually describes the difference between the goods of the soul and the external goods. He says, there is the same difference between these two lives as there is between mere brightness and real light. The latter has a definite source within itself. The other borrows its radiance. The one is called forth by an illumination coming from the outside, and anyone who stands between the source and the object immediately turns the latter into a dense shadow. But the other has a glow that comes from within. And so I think a really interesting way to think about this is obviously Seneca is saying that, you know, the goods of the soul, that's the stuff, that's the light that shines from within. You know, it's the light that you don't want to hide under a bushel that they talk about in the Bible. You know, it's the light that you want to shine from the top of a hill so that other people can see the goodness that is coming from your soul. You don't want to hide that goodness. You want to allow it to shine forth. And the way that you do that is by being honest with yourself, 
And by recognizing that you know the right path, if you really inquire within, uh, it's just that you've got to actually be courageous enough to go on that path. And man, as an artist myself, this is the the biggest struggle that I deal with uh, in in my life. I can say that it's it's knowing that there is a spark of 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 goodness that is within me, this creative urge, uh, and knowing that it exists, and knowing that I have created things that show show me and teach me that it exists. But knowing that it's going to take a lot of courage to go on that path and actually bring forth those goods of my soul, no matter what, you know, because if, if we are truly trying to live in agreement with nature, which means to know what your nature is and how it relates to the whole, and then to live by that nature, you know, and knowing what is good and knowing what is bad and knowing what really doesn't make a difference, if that is the goal, uh, look, it's easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done, and uh, and life's responsibilities come into play, and the expectations of other people come into play, you know, and all of these other things, uh, and 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 all of these uh, externals come into play, and it's hard to know whether you're going to have, you know, in the final analysis, the courage to see it through to the end. But here's what I will say: a good way to think about this. Uh, and the way that Seneca is talking about this is look at the people who we truly admire in society. Uh, you know, the people, the the artists, uh, you know, the leaders, uh, the people who really shine as beautiful examples of integrity and honor and uh, and 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 wisdom, you know, and 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 beauty. Uh, these people, uh, it seems like there's a theme that runs through a lot of them, which is that there's this uh, there's there's this kind of shining forth from the best of their soul. It's it's like when you go to a musical concert, right? And you cannot help but feel the emotions and, and the vibe of the venue and of, of the band and the music that's playing, especially when you see musicians who are up on stage and they're absolutely loving what they do. You know, in that moment, they're in a flow state. Uh, you know, the goods of their soul are being just absolutely shining forth, right? Uh, and, and that is a contagious thing. And I think that that happens uh, with a lot of people who we admire. And of course, that can be perverted to a degree, right? I mean, of course, there are many people who we uh, might admire, uh, you know, because we have perverted our aims, because we have perverted uh, what is truly meaningful in our lives, right? You know, Carl Jung said that, hey, if you want to know the soul of a nation, if you want to know what uh, is really important to people, look at what they read, look at what they listen to, you know, look at the the places they go, the people they hang around. Uh, that's going to tell you a lot about uh, the contents of, of the soul of a nation, you might say. Um, and so, uh, you know, of course it can be perverted, but then you also think of the opposite, you know, is uh, people who kind of might be uh, resentful in life, people who might uh, know that they could have achieved something great if they had have gone and had the courage to go down that path and to pursue the goods of their soul. It, look, we can all identify with that. And that's a matter of life. I mean, we all make sacrifices, right? But but we do have to recognize that there's something that we really admire about people who are able to have that courage to pursue the goods of their soul in their life and bring that forth, let it shine. There's something truly amazing about that when we see it happen. And, uh, and I, I think that that really applies to the writings of the Stoics, for example. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the reasons why many people are 
going back to the ancient writings in these modern times is because we recognize that there's something truly beautiful about the way that they wrote, the way that they talked about life, uh, you know, the way that they discussed these ideas. There's there's a real kind of outpouring of the soul element uh, to their writings, whereas, you know, we really have been just bombarded with a whole bunch of salesy personal development books these days that, yeah, they might teach us valuable things, but is there a lot of soul in the writing? You know, is there, is, is there, is it coming from a place that it might have come from in the great poets like Rilke? Is it coming from a place that it might have come from in somebody like Seneca, where he is spending the last days of his life desperately trying to pour out the contents of his soul into these letters so that he can pour on some value into the future generations? You know, this is, this is important stuff that they're trying to grapple with here. And it's not to sell another book. It's not to get another client. It's not to, you know, get another anything. It's just because they had to speak. They had to write. It was what they had to do. And, uh, and there's something beautiful about that. All right, I'm done preaching. And I think that we will actually stop the episode there and continue with our reading in the next episode. Uh, you know, because I think that uh, this is an appropriate place to come to an end. But, uh, but really, the thing that I want you to get away from this—sorry, get out of this episode—is really just to question. You know, what are the questions that you already have the answers to in your life? Are you getting in the way of your own personal transformation and uh, in the way of you know the goods of your own soul uh, by you know, knowing really that you should be going in this direction, but being unwilling to have the courage to do so? And this is a really difficult conversation to have with yourself because it requires a lot of self-honesty. It requires a lot of introspection. And really, as, as Rilke says, you know, like going, going into the, you know, into the solitude of your, of your own soul, right? Going within. Uh, and so uh, this is something that I want you to consider uh, from today's episode. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, please feel free to leave them below uh, this episode and, uh, and, and I'd love to hear what you think. So anyway, I'll talk to you next time, but I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm.